I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. But, you know, some of you might be looking, oh, there's no way I can't run. I don't, I don't have the ability to run or anything like that. Um, I, was, I thought that some years back until I was challenged and I was able to run a marathon. I, come on, I'm over 300 pounds, and yes, I did a marathon and finished it. So here's, here's the okay, for missions. It was for missions to help other people. If you're doing it for yourself, stay in bed. But I mean, if you're, if you're literally going to go out to say, hey, I want to help somebody out, I'm going to do something about this, I encourage you to go. And here's the, here's the uh, question for you. How did this work out that out of 1,000 runners, I placed 458 but I was the last one to cross the line. Oh, I could see the smoke coming out of your ears. You're like, wait, 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 how did that work out? Well, this is what happened. I had no idea that uh, everybody behind me stopped. I had no idea that they all had quit. But it was for missions, and so I couldn't quit because the drawing of the line was that I, I have to cross the line in order to get the money. And I wasn't going to go through all that pain for nothing. And so... Literally, I would run and I'd see signs that would say, you can do it. And I was like, oh, I could do it. And then I saw another sign that said, we believe in you. And I was like, they believe in me, you know. And then I saw another sign that said, who needs toenails anyways? And I'm like, huh? You know. And sure enough, I'll end the story there because it gets gross after that. But, you know, I encourage you guys, get involved in any way that you possibly can. For those of you that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Alfred Murillo and I'm one of your missionaries here, and I know you might say, wait, 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 we just had missions emphasis the last two weeks or so, and, but this is a, an opportunity for me as a missionary as well to come and to share and to give this last opportunity of a plug this way. It's not a last, you could always do this, but just to emphasize to you that if you missed the last couple of weeks and you didn't have a chance to um, participate in your missions giving, missions pledge for the year, you could still do that. Okay, you can still do that. So the emphasis in the past was a missions emphasis. So as one of your missionaries saying thank you again for your support. But today, I really want to turn this around and make this a missionary emphasis. So what do I mean by that? And that is this, that all of you from this moment on are now missionaries. All right. So I am speaking to the missionaries. And when we walk outside this door out here, you walk out that door. You walk out that door. I'm going to count every door. Okay, you walk out of whatever door you walk out of, that you're literally walking into the mission field. To turn this around, other than saying, oh, yes, we give to missions, but to be the missionary and to go out and to reach those that are hurting and those that are lost. It isn't just the idea of a job. It isn't just the idea of that it's just something to do or I feel good when I do it. But it's the idea of understanding the message that you believe in, the message that you're willing to die for. So I encourage you to get involved. Learn as much as you can. One other plug I want to throw out here, and that's for Wednesday nights. 
I encourage you guys, if those of you have yet had an opportunity to join us on Wednesday nights, we have Bible studies for the adults. We have awesome youth programs. We got children's programs all the way from the cradle all the way up. We encourage you guys to get involved. Our next season is starting up here in April, kicking off with the night of worship, first Wednesday. So come and worship and pray. And then from there, it's going to be hitting all the classes. So I, I'm a part of teaching one of the classes, but the idea is to really see what can we do to reach out more people and let them know of the impact that's happening on Wednesday nights. Again, it's whatever we can do to help instill in you the ability to be in the calling that God has in your life to go out there and do it. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Well, I'm going to get into God's work quickly because I see that clock ticking and I thought, you know what, I need to do this. I happen to have a tendency to be a talkaholic and a tacoholic, you know, and so uh, I talk a lot and we like tacos, you know, I mean, so we'll get those later on. So I want to dive into God's word here. Again, I'm looking at missionaries that are going to be sent out. Here we go. If you open your word and scriptures are up on the screen, we're going to go into 2 Kings. And this is a story that many of you have probably heard before. And I just wanted to emphasize this again. It says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we will go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. And if they spare us, we live. And if they kill us, well, then we die. All right. Lord, help us, God, to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Look, at this is something that I want us to really look into as far as these four. These four individuals have leprosy. Leprosy, obviously, for many of you have heard, is a sickness that um, destroys the body. It starts rotting the flesh. Parts of your body could literally fall off. It's just an ugly, ugly disease that's even still around today. Many people still don't, they don't hear about it. But even the United States has a leper colony on one of the islands in Hawaii. Okay, so it's still active today. Very, very contagious. In the times of the scriptures, we hear that those that had leprosy, they would have to scream out from afar, unclean, unclean, so that those that were around them would literally be, have a chance to run away and get away. They had to bandage themselves because it was continually oozing and just a bad scenario, a bad smell. It was, just looked horrible. I kind of get an idea how Hollywood got the idea of walking dead, you know, zombies and stuff. You see these people walking around all twisted up and looking as ugly as they do. Well, leprosy had a way of just destroying the body to make you look totally deformed in such a bad, bad way. Well, the story here says that the Arameans, one, were the enemies, and they came around the city, and they stopped any supplies to coming into the city. They just totally seized it, and they said, no way, we're going to let these people to the place that they're going to plead, and they're going to ask for help, and they're going to want whatever. They're going to surrender. So the people within the city got to the place where they were actually now killing each other at the same time, even to the place of cannibalism. They were eating each other, and they didn't want to die faster with those that were there, and so they kicked out these four lepers. And they're on the outside of the gate. So basically they were saying, if we go back inside, we die. Either they're going to kill us or we're just going to starve to death. And if we stay out here, we have no protection whatsoever. Because here's the gate, here's the wall, here's the protection on the inside. But if we stay out here, there is no chance at all for us to live as well. 
They said the only chance to live is to literally go into the enemy's camp and go and plead with them and hope that they would be willing to take us in, give us, you know, we would be their slaves, we'd be their prisoners, we'd be whatever, but we would live. We would have a chance to live. And basically they said, and if they choose to kill us, well, then we die. So here we go again. We go in there, we die. We stay out here, we die. One chance to live. And if they don't choose to go that way, well, we die. So what choice do we have? So all four of these guys, can you imagine with me looking as grotesque as possibly can, all bandaged up, all in a place where they're thinking, what do we do? As they started taking a step towards the enemy's camp, something in the heavens broke loose. Let me share this with you. Missionaries, hear me. When you or where they in outside these walls make a decision to fight for life, something happens in the heavens. You see, we choose life and not death. Within God, where we understand that Jesus even says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you choose to live, when you choose to go, when you choose to make it and not quit, God starts looking your direction. God starts moving on your behalf. God, something happened. It was a step of faith. What was the faith? The faith that they could live. The faith that they could make it. Because the world out here, many settings and many times, finds themselves at the end of their rope, finds themselves to the place that they can't go on, finds themselves at the place where they want to quit, and they feel no one cares, and they feel all discouraged. And they don't know that there is hope. They don't know that there's an opportunity. They don't know in God that there's still always life. But these guys, listen to this. These guys were one. Were they men of sin? Well, they were sinful men because we're all sinful. Until we ask the Lord to come into our life, he washes our sin away. And when we sin again, we come before God and ask him to forgive us and wash our sins again. We have an advocate with the Father who pleads for us. But these guys, what was their issue? Why were they kicked out? Because they were murderers? They were thieves? No, they were sick. But I can tell you one thing. These guys were raised in the ways of the Lord. As you continue to read this story and you find out what happens here, you find out that these guys were guys of conviction. Not only that they knew that there's a chance to live, we're going to go that direction. And so they did. As they pursued to walk, dragging themselves, again, looking like the walking dead, looking like zombies, looking just care. I mean, barely dragging themselves. Every step they took, the Bible says that on the other side, at the enemy's camp, the enemy were there with their tents, with their food. They had all of their supplies. They had their horses. They had even all of their riches. They had everything they could have. And it came to the place that all of a sudden they started hearing a mighty army walking or marching their way. Well, the only army walking their way were four guys dragging themselves. On the earthly realm, it just looked like a bunch of nobodies dragging themselves throughout the city outside of the gate but because of faith because they had hope because they knew they could because they believed that there was someone that could help them they pursued and when you do that when I do that when we share that out there to those that are out there that don't know 
something happens in the heavens where it triggered it. And all of a sudden, the enemy started hearing this mighty, mighty army. They started thinking amongst themselves, they must have gotten help from other people. There must be another army coming to save that whole city. Their mind started going crazy in fear, wondering what was going on. Fear built up in them so much that they didn't know what to do, that they were panicked to the place that they literally ran off. They even left the animals. The fire was still cooking. The meat was still turning. They were still there. Everything was gone. The people left. They were in fear. Of what? Four guys that were just barely dragging. Four guys that were just barely trying to fight for life. Four guys that were just what? In the earthly, in our physical realm, we just see four guys. But what the Lord saw was a mighty army of faith walking over there. So when those guys got to the enemy's camp, literally being afraid themselves, they didn't know what to expect. They thought by this time someone would have heard them and they would have came out and challenged them and captured them. But can you imagine them behind a tree, over a rock, behind a bush, and they didn't see anything. They got a little closer. They got up to the tent, and they looked in the tent. They didn't see anybody. Finally, the one that was the bravest calls the other guys, and then all, you know, all of them are all walking. And they go, and they eat, and they find the treasures. They got to this place like every single one of us does. Come on, if you seen a $100 bill on the sidewalk, what would you do? Right, come on. You, you know, oh, God bless someone else with that. And then you, no, what would you do? You'd pick that right up, put it right into your pocket. Well, they didn't have pockets. They literally dug holes and they buried it. And they were like that, you know, junkyard dog. And, you know, like, don't, don't come near me. I, this is mine now. But the Bible says, a conviction came over them. A conviction. That they thought all those people that were cruel to us, all those people that made fun of us, all those people that hated us, and those that kicked us out of the city, rightly so, we should think they should die. But the conviction inside them was so strong that they knew that God had blessed them, that they decided we can't just keep this to ourselves. So they literally got the message to the city that the enemy was gone. The enemy has been defeated, and they were able to come. And those four guys that were kicked out literally came to the place that they were able to be the heroes for that day. They came and saved the city. They came and helped. Why? Because these four came to the point of realizing if there's one way of life, if there's one chance to make it, that's the route I'm going to go. If there's one way that we're going to make this happen, we have to think of it like water, water that's fluid, water that's going downhill. If you put a blockade, that water will go and go and go until it finds a spot that it can pursue. My friend, you and I have to be that living water we have to be that water, but we know that God inside of us, as we pursue and the enemy is trying to stop us from our walk with God, the enemy is trying to stop us to live our life, the enemy is trying to stop us to do what God's called us to do, that we keep pressing forward until we see there's an opening. Let's go this way. Through God, all things are possible. That we know that if God be for us, who could be against us? Nothing could stop us. 
Even the gates of hell shall not prevail. God will not be mocked. God is going to give us the ability to move forward in what God has for each one of us. So missionaries, I'm challenging you on this. You and I have something inside. We are those four lepers that are on top of that mound. We have to allow the conviction of God to say what you have been given. Now go give. What has been given to you? Go out there and let them know that there is hope. What has been given to you? Now go out there and let them know that there is a chance that you could survive. You see, all they know right now is to go to the world. All they know is to seek whatever's out there, and they're pursuing. They're trying to do their best to see what they can do. But the world only can offer so much. The world does offer. Listen to me. The world does offer. But it's not anything that could come to fulfill. It's not anything that could come to complete. The Bible even says that sin is pleasurable for a season. What is that talking about? You know what I'm talking about. There's people getting high, but that high is going to come down. They're getting drunk, and that buzz is going to wear out. They're getting to that place where they're watching pornography, and that moment is going to end. All those things that we pursue that the world says this is the answer, it dies. It doesn't last. It doesn't continue. But I'm here to tell you that there is a way that anyone, anyone can pursue as long as they know they can. You and I have a message and that message is to go out there and to go share with people what you have. You are the leper, my friend, that God has saved. You are the one that's on that mound of gold and saying, I could keep this to myself or I can go save the city. I can go and reach out to those that are hurting and those that are lost. I want us to go to the next verse. I want to take you to a verse here that um, in Scripture it says here in Isaiah 66, 1, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will, you, where will my resting place be? You see, King David wanted to build his house for the Lord. King David was so in love with God and he worshiped him out when he was a young one with a sheep and as a shepherd and he did what he did, wrote the book of Psalms and so on, sang those songs to God. Beautiful, beautiful music. You know what? Being in worship here, can we give one more hand to our worship team for an awesome, awesome job? As they... Are led by God to bring us to the throne. David was a master at doing that, just coming before the presence of God. And he wanted to bless God and say, I'm going to build this place. Well, he didn't build it, but he built a tabernacle, a tent. And it was his son Solomon that actually built a temple. And the question God says to them, he looks at them and he says, Heaven is my home, heaven is my throne, heaven is where I'm at. And the earth is my footstool. How many have a footstool at home? Raise your hand. Maybe, maybe many of you have recliners and you recline, but that part that lifts up your legs, okay, that would be the footstool. Imagine that reclining part as you're there. A footstool has never been developed and never meant for the full body of your weight. On that recliner, you don't stand on the footstool part. That would be hilarious. You make a lot of sights on video. I mean, if you, you, you did that, you stand there, that chair goes over. 
You see a footstool, even just in its natural three-legged footstool or whatever kind of footstool it may be, it's never been created to carry the full weight of the person. You're not supposed to stand on it. It wasn't created to be stood on. Think about this. It's not even built to be sat on. Yet A lot of us, you know, big gathering at the home, you get the footstool, some people sit on that. But it's not created for that. It's created to only carry a portion of the weight of the person. A portion. And this is what the Lord says. He says, heaven is my home. Heaven is where I'm at. Heaven is what can contain me. But the earth, it's my footstool. What does he mean by that? He says, earth, much less a building, can contain all of me. You want me? Look up. Don't look here on earth because earth, there's only so much I could give you on earth because earth can't contain the full weight of my glory. Earth has no ability to take everything of who I am. God wants to share with each one of us in those times of despair, in those times of discouragement, in those times when you want to give up, look up. When you want to quit, look up because there's more to God. There's so much more to God than what we see. I know it's such arrogance of people to say, oh, yeah, I did the church thing. Got the T-shirt, got the cross, bumper sticker. Yeah, I did that. I know all there is to know. Yeah, I know in church you stand, you sit, three fast songs, two slow ones. They pray, quick message, then they leave. And everyone's kind of getting a little arrogant about that. Like, I know. I know what there is to know about God. And it's like, wow, you're missing it completely. Can you imagine if the wisest person on earth living today, whether it be a rabbi, a minister, a priest, or whatever, someone who's the closest to God measures about this much of the knowledge and the relationship they have with God is about this much. Well, probably you and me would be like, yeah, about right there. But this person is like, wow, they're close to God. And then you put that down, and yet God is still miles and miles long. There's so much more to God. Even Jeremiah he talks about how the Lord has so much that our minds can't even comprehend what God wants to do within each one of us. So the idea is to look up, not to look to this earth, not to look to the ways of this world, not to do that. Think about those in Scripture that have done that. Saul, the first king. At first he was just right there with God, but then arrogance came into his life. When he started thinking, I could do this. I don't need God. I don't need to be in the presence every week or every day. I don't need a God. And the next thing you know, he started falling more and more away. It got to the place that when he was actually wanting to snap his finger to God and say, God, I have a request. You should answer me. And because God didn't answer him in his time frame, see, he was treating God like a, like a genie in a bottle. You know what I'm talking about? You rub your Bible three times and then God shows up and says, yes, master, what can I do for you? Is that the God we serve, right? When you're in need, you rub your Bible, and God, where are you? Well, that's how he started thinking. And because God didn't answer him in the time that he wanted, the Bible says he sought out a witch, a witch from Endor. He sought out the dark practices. He sought out the things that were not of God. And you saw how his life started falling. He went to the world. How about other stories? New Testament. There's a lady that had battled an issue of blood for 12 years. And she went to the world. She went to every doctor. She spent every penny she could to go this place, to go this place, to go this place. No one had an answer. Everyone rejected her. She couldn't even get near crowds. But then when she heard that Jesus was coming through, that she was the one that pursued and she touched the hem of his garment. 
And he said, faith has left me. Virtue has left me. He knew faith in action. And sure enough, it was this lady that was battling all that time. She had gone to the world. She did everything she could to go to the world. The world had no answers until she looked up. That footstool is not meant to carry. This earth is not meant. We are pilgrims, sojourners coming through this land. My friends, this is not our home. When you become a Christian and you are now in him, yes, he will bless you while you're here on this earth and give you that abundant life. But he gives you the eternal life, the eternal life that you have hope in now. And knowing for sure, I know because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've asked Christ into my life. And it says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That I know that God is with me. And because you know that, you are affirmed in that. You're aware of that. That now it's your responsibility and mine to go share that with other people out there. To say, stop looking to the world. That footstool can't handle all your problem. It can't. We have to look at the earth as a footstool, according to the scriptures. When I was younger, I was so mean to my little brothers and sisters. Being the oldest of five, I don't know, how many of the oldest here raise your hand? Okay, so maybe you could relate a little bit. One, you got tired of being blamed for everything. Okay, two, because you were bigger and older, you had the ability of a sense of authority to be in charge. And there were times when we'd be out and just even playing, having fun, getting tired. I would sit on our recliner. I remember the footstool of the recliner didn't work. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it just didn't work anymore. Now it's a chair that just rocks a little. So I would have my sisters especially. They were twins. And I would say to my sisters, I'll buy you candy. Okay. You know, they're little ones. What do I got to do? Just crawl right there. Keep going. Keep going. Oh. And I put... And then my feet, after a while, you know, they're like, okay, how long do I have to do this? Just a minute longer. They became my footstool. They were not created to carry my weight. Not at all, even then as a kid. And then my own kids came around. And I remembered what I did with my brothers and sisters. And it was hilarious to see my own kids for a moment there as they would come, hey, come here. What? I'll give you this. Okay, what do I got to do? And it always works, guys. I'm telling you. Right there. Just walk. Right. Oh, oh Dad, come on. How long? Do I, you know, after a while, you know, you know, when they got in their 20s, they stopped. No, I'm joking. No, no, I'm joking. But it was just funny. You know, actually, you know, I weigh over 300 pounds. I feel sorry for my grandson when he kind of grows up a little more. You know, it's like, you know. The footstool is not meant to carry the full weight. This earth was never created to carry everything you're dealing with. It's not. You might say, oh, well, I got this great counselor and great teacher and great mentor and great coach and great person in my life. And praise God for that. But I'm here to let you know you want answers, go to the Lord. Let me share with you these last verses here. If you go to the next one, please. In Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms and in Christ Jesus. You have full authority to be able to come before the throne and talk to the Lord himself. You do. Why? Because of his blood and his sacrifice for you gives you the right to come and to speak with him. And you could talk to him right in his ear. You're right there next to him. That's the way he sees it. 
You may feel he's far away, but he sees you right next to you. Just call on him and ask him. Last verse here. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Are you guys with me? Amen, amen. Next time you see a footstool, you're clearly going to remember what I'm saying here. Praise God. It says in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I don't know how much clearer that could actually be said. Why am I sharing this with you? I mean, you're the God-fearing, awesome, ready-to-go-out warriors for God. It's the people out there we got to know this message for. we got to get out there and let them know out there that, you know what? you got issues? Look to God. you got things going on in your life? Look to God. Don't quit. Look to God. Keep looking to God. Because this earth can happen and help for a moment, but after that, it's all over. From this point forward, if you and I be the army that God has called us to be, to be those leaders that God has called us to be, to be those teachers, mentors, coaches that God has called us to be. There's a world out there, my friend. They need you. They need us. They need Life Church. I thank God for all the opportunities that God is doing of outreach through this church, not only through the Life Center. Get involved with what's happening there. Get involved in discipleship and what's going on on Wednesdays. Be involved with everything that you can because God is training you, raising you, helping you to be that warrior that he's called you to be. God wants to do some great things in your life. I'm excited about this new season. Big things are going to be taking place. Big things are taking place, and I want you to be a part of that. I feel God is calling each one of you to fulfill the dream that he's put inside you. He says in Joel chapter 2 that in the last days he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He's going to pour it out on those that are old and young. On those that are male and female, he's going to pour and give into you dreams and visions. And each one of you is a dream and a vision that God has instilled in you to go out there and do something with. You can't help but want to do one of two things. Keep it to yourself or go willing to go share with somebody. I'm not talking about carrying a sign on the street that said turn or burn. I'm talking about going to your friends and your family and your neighbors and letting them know that you're looking up. Would you stand with me, please? Praise God. Stand with me as we take a moment to just love on the Lord. To take a moment to allow God to help us. You see, before the armies of the Lord would go out to battle, they would always come. And they would ask for a blessing. They would ask for the minister, for the priest to come and to pray. And it was really isn't just the idea of the blessing of the minister as much as that they came together in faith. And you might say right now, I'm that person that's wanting to quit. I'm that person that's dealing with life-challenging issues. Yes, God can help you right now where you're at. God can help you. as Why? Because he loves you. How? Look up. Can we do that? Even if you close your eyes and look up. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.